right, welcome back to From Aid Arbitration. And today we're going to be dealing with Article 16, Section 6, Indefinite Suspensions, Crime Situations. Now, I've dealt with, like I stated in my, my first episode, through the informal and formal and arbitration, I've dealt with thousands of grievances. I have only dealt with one, <laughs> one grievance concerning Article 16.6, Indefinite Suspension Crime Situations. And that was in arbitration. When I first got the arbitration, since I have never dealt with it, now I've read it plenty of times, just studying Article 16, but I had to call one former business agent and say, hey, look here, give me some help on this. What are we looking for? And so they were a fantastic resource for me. And, and I also stated that in earlier episodes that make sure you have that core group of people that you <laughs> you depend on and that you trust when you have a situation come up that you've not dealt with that much so that they can give you some reliable information, something that you know you can use and you know will be right because you trust that person, that group, okay? I had to call and, and get a little bit of help on this because I have never dealt with it before. So I'm going to try to explain it to you. Uh, some of the language in here is confusing if you've not dealt with it, and I will try to unconfuse it for you. It still may not succeed, but we're going to give it a shot anyway. So let's start with 16.6a. And I'm going to break that down for you as best I can. And this is what it states under A. The employer may indefinitely suspend an employee in those cases where the employer has reasonable cause to believe an employee is guilty of a crime for which a sentence of imprisonment can be imposed. In such cases, the employer is not required to give the employee the full 30 days advance notice of indefinite suspension but shall give such lesser number of days of advance written notice as under the circumstances is reasonable and can be justified. The employee is immediately removed from a pay status at the end of the notice period. And here's what that's saying. Under 16.5 for suspensions of more than 14 days or discharge, you have to give me a 30 days advance written notice. That's, that's mandated. However, under 16.6, indefinite suspension crime situations, they do not have to give me the full 30 days advance notice, but they do, however, have to still give me an advance notice. Now, why is that critical? Because management will screw that up all the time. Uh, there's plenty of cases out there that you can look up. Matter of fact, in the arbitration that I did, it happened, they treat it like a 16-7 emergency placement. And they, when if it's on the news that you've done something and you are charged and you're arrested, they would just put you on indefinite suspension with no advance written notice. And then they'll mail you the notice like they would in a 16-7 emergency placement. That's a violation of that provision. They still are required to give you an advance written notice. It just does not have to be the full 30 days advance notice as prescribed in Article 16.5. So hopefully that makes sense. You are still required to get an advance notice. It just doesn't have to be the full 30 days. And I'll get into that language in just a second. But that's what that first paragraph is talking about. You're still required to give me an advance written notice, just not the full 30 days. Okay? 16.6b. Here's what it states. 
The just cause of an indefinite suspension is grievable. The arbitrator shall have the authority to reinstate and make the employee whole for the entire period of the indefinite suspension. Here's why that's critical. Management will always try to put someone under a 16-7 indefinite suspension. If something happens and and you're arrested, uh, I'll give you for instance, I had an arbitration up north of me where a young man was picking up a package. He, he worked at the post office. He came in on his day off, picked up a package for a customer of his. Well, that package contained large quantities of marijuana and had been watched by the, the feds, postal inspectors and whatnot. And when he picks this package up, when he walks out, they jump on him and arrest him. Well, management puts him on a 16-7 emergency placement rather than a 16-6 indefinite suspension crime situation. Why would they do that? Because the quantum of proof in a 16-7 is much less than a 16-6. You still have to have just cause. The just cause of an indefinite suspension is grievable, right? Which means it's a higher quantum of proof in that than a 16-7. So management will always attempt to do that, uh, use 16.7 rather than 16.6. And you'll make that argument if you ever do a 16.7 emergency placement, and it should have been a 16.6. You'll make that argument at that time. But if we lose the 16.7, management will just keep you out there forever with no end in sight. And I talked about that in an earlier episode under 16.7. The just cause of an indefinite suspension is grievable. And the arbitrators shall have the authority to reinstate and make the employee whole for the entire period of the indefinite suspension. Why is that critical that the arbitrators shall have authority to reinstate and make the employee whole for the entire period of the indefinite suspension? Well, that's critical because of C, the next one down. This is what it states. If after further investigation or after resolution of the criminal charges against the employee, the employer determines to return the employee to a pay status, the employee shall be entitled to back pay for the period that the indefinite suspension exceeded 70 days if the employee has, was otherwise available for duty and without prejudice to any grievance filed under B above. So that's why that section in B is so important. The arbitrator has the authority to grant full back pay if we lose the grievance and management determines to bring the carrier back at some point in time That first 70 days is on us. That's free of charge. So management doesn't have to pay that first 70 days. So if I'm out three months, I'm going to get about 20 days of payback, according to that language. Uh, That first 70 days is on the house. They get that for free. So that's why that grievance is important that we get into arbitration and win that thing. So our brothers and sisters will get all the back pay rather than losing out on 70 days. It also states if the employee was otherwise available for duty and without prejudice to any grievance filed under B. So they can bring me back before an arbitration. Say I've been out eight months. They can bring me back, not pay me that 70 days, and that has no effect on the grievance that's going forward. No effect. That arbitrator still has the authority to give me that 70 days. He has authority to give me all my back pay, regardless of what management's done prior to that. So they bring me back before arbitration. I lose out on that 70 days. That arbitrator still has the authority to grant me my full back pay. 16.6D. The employer may take action to discharge an employee during the period of an indefinite suspension, whether or not the criminal charges have been resolved. 
and whether or not such charges have been resolved in favor of the employee. Such action must be for just cause and is subject to the requirements of Section 5 of this article. This is why that's important. Say I get arrested. I get arrested and I'm all over the news. I get arrested for Grand Theft Auto. And they got me on video running down the street from cops. Have some kind of wreck and I, cops are surrounding my car. And here comes Corey Walton out of this car. All over the news. And the and post office sees it. And they determine that, that that's just too much. They're going to fire me because I've been an embarrassment. So they're going to terminate. Well, they have to have just cause for that. And what we're going to say is, hey, look here. A charge in court, a charge or arrest has nothing to do with the Postal Service. That's no different than the charge here. We still have to have just cause. That charge outside the Postal Service has nothing to do with us. We're going to have a, we're going to say that they still must meet the just cause provisions and explain why they decided to terminate me. And that's why that's important. So if they go after my job because of something they saw on the news, then it still has to meet the just cause provisions, right? Now here's the language down below the box. It says Article 166B, which deals with indefinite suspensions in crime situations, provides the following. And it reinstates what we talked about earlier, about the 30 days. It says the full 30-day notice is not required in such cases. It says see also Article 16.5. That's what we're going to do. Let's turn over to Article 16.5. This is what it says. Letter carriers must be given 30 days advance written notice prior to serving a suspension of more than 14 days or discharge. During the notice period, they must remain either on the job or on the clock at the option of the Postal Service. The only exceptions are for emergency or crime situations as provided for in Article 16.6 and Article 16.7. So, again, while that's important, 16.6, I still have to be given an advance notice period. It just doesn't have to be the 30 days, the full 30 days. 16.7 is an immediate loss of pay. Immediate loss of pay. That's the difference. I get an advance notice of however many days, don't have to be the full 30, I'm still on the clock, at the end of that notice period, I'm off the clock, 16-7, it's immediate loss of pay, and there's no advance written notice requirement, right? That's what that's talking about. And here's the most important thing. This is the most critical thing here, and this is what's going to win you most of your cases dealing with indefinite suspensions, crime situation, and this is it. It says... The just cause of an indefinite suspension is grievable. An arbitrator has the authority to reinstate and make whole. In NC NAT 8580, September 29, 1978, the C number is 03216, National Arbitrator Garrett wrote that an indefinite suspension is reviewable in arbitration to the same extent as any other suspension to determine whether just cause for the disciplinary action has been shown. Such a review and arbitration necessarily involves considering at least a. the presence or absence of reasonable cause to believe the employee guilty of the crime alleged and b. whether such a relationship exists between the alleged crime and the employee's job in the USPS to warrant suspension. That's it. That's the bingo right there. Let me read that again. I'm going to read a and b. Such a review and arbitration necessarily involves considering at least A, 
the presence or absence of reasonable cause to believe the employee guilty of the crime alleged, and, now that word's big right there, and. It doesn't say or. It says and. Let me put it in perspective. You come home from school, and your mom says, Hey, Corey, go clean your bedroom and the bathroom. You know what you're cleaning? The bedroom and the bathroom. If your mom says, hey, Corey, go clean your bedroom or the bathroom. You know what you're cleaning? The bathroom, because it's smaller. So that word and right there is critical. That means you're going to do both of them, right? So and B, whether such a relationship exists between the alleged crime and the employee's job in the USPS to warrant suspension. Let me take a second to go over that. What is that talking about? What are they talking about in B? Whether such a relationship exists between the alleged crime and the employee's job in the USPS to warrant its suspension. That means there has to be a nexus between the two. Now, what does nexus mean? A nexus means there has to be a connection or a link between the two. So there has to be a connection or a link between the crime and my job at the Postal Service. And here's how you translate that. Corey's pulled out of that car where they've been chasing him down the road. And the newsman says, Corey Walton, an employee of the United States Postal Service, was arrested for grand theft auto and blah, blah, blah. Well, now there's a nexus. There's an nexus between the two. If you have 10 news articles and not one of those things says anything about Corey being tied to the United States Postal Service, there is no nexus. And what does that mean? That they cannot invoke 16.6 on me. That's what that means. That's what National Arbitrator Garrett said when he says, whether such a relationship exists between the alleged crime and the employee's job in the USPS to warrant suspension. So if there's no nexus, then I'm going to be telling that arbitrator, look here. National Arbitrator Garrett's already given you the blueprint on what to do, A and B. And on B, there has to be a nexus. And management hasn't produced one news article, one newspaper article, one YouTube video, one anything showing that there's a a link or a connection between Corey Walton and that crime and Corey Walton and the United States Postal Service. We have got to do that. If you have a carrier that has been arrested and management catches wind of it and they put him on indefinite suspension crime situation and you ask for everything that they used, you put in an information request for everything that they've used to issue this discipline and they give you five newspaper articles and not one of them state anything about me working for the Postal Service and you use that provision that I just told you, there is no nexus And that is massive. It will destroy management's position as far as 16.6. And I'll read my arbitrator's decision here in a minute where she brought this girl back. But in El Cori and El Cori, which I've cited from before on how arbitration works, it talks a little bit about this very thing. And here's what they state. It's on page 616. Conduct away from plant. The right of management to discharge an employee for conduct away from the plant depends upon the effect of that conduct upon the plant operations. 
In this regard, arbitrator Lewis Kesselman explained in one case, the arbitrator finds no basis in the contract or in American industrial practice to justify discharge for misconduct away from the place of work unless behavior harms company's reputation or product. And that is exactly what National Arbitrator Garrett was talking about with the nexus. If there is a, if there is a connection between the two, if there is a link between the two, there's a possibility that the Postal Service's reputation is harmed by that. And that way management has just cause to put me on indefinite suspension crime situation. If there's a potential for me to ruin their reputation or to harm their reputation. And that's what they're stating here. The behavior harms company's re reputation or product. Goes on to state, behavior renders employee unable to perform his duties or appear at work. In which case the discharge would be based upon inefficiency or excessive absenteeism. And I'll talk about that a little bit later in my arbitrator's decision. Behavior leads to refusal, reluctance, or inability of other employees to work with him. And that's critical. Because if I'm arrested for something so disgraceful that I come in and my employees refuse to work with me, that's also going to hurt me when the case goes forward. If I've done something so reprehensible that I come in, the employees go to my boss and say, I'm not working with him because of this, you're probably going to have trouble defending that carrier as that goes up the chain. That's just how it is. It goes on to state, Arbitrator D. Emmett Ferguson also spoke of the extent to which management may consider conduct away from the plant as the basis for discharge. States, while it is true that the employer does not, by virtue of the employment relationship, become the guardian of the employee's every personal action and does not exercise parental, parental control, it is equally true that in those areas having to do with the employer's business, the employee has the right to determinate the relationship if the employee's wrongful actions injuriously affect the business. The connection between the facts which occur and the extent to which the business is affected must be reasonable and discernible. They must be such as could logically be expected to cause some result in the employer's affairs. Each case must be measured on its own merits. Another arbitrator also stressed that the effect of the employee's outside activity on the employer's business must be reasonably discernible Mere speculation as to adverse effect upon the business not sufficing. So that's, a, that's good language for us as well because management is going to use mere speculation. They're going to say, well, he works for us. It's obvious that his customers know about this news article. It's obvious that they have seen him on the news. Well, that's speculation. And we need to address that if that's management's position. If they're saying that, Corey's been on his route for 20 years. Everybody watches the news, so they surely have seen him out there getting arrested for Grand Theft Auto. That's speculation. And so that's what we need to argue. It has to be reasonable. It has to be discernible. It can't be speculation, right? Now, management, when they put me on indefinite suspension, crime situation, what they're going to use against me 99.9% .9 of the time is ELM section 66516. 66516. And this is what it states, behavior and personal habits. So this is what they're always going to use against me. Employees are expected to conduct themselves during and outside of working hours in a manner that reflects favorably upon the Postal Service. Although it is not the policy of the Postal Service to interfere with the private lives of employees, it does require that postal employees be honest, 
reliable, trustworthy, courteous, and of good character and reputation. The Federal Standards of Ethical Conduct reference in 662.1 also contain regulations governing the off-duty behavior of postal employees. Employees must not engage in criminal, dishonest, notoriously disgraceful, immoral, or other conduct prejudicial to the Postal Service. Conviction for a violation of any criminal statute may be grounds for disciplinary action against an employee, including removal of the employee, in addition to any other penalty imposed pursuant to the statute. Now, here's the two parts of that where we get management. One where it says, or other conduct prejudicial to the Postal Service. There's your nexus. If I do something outside the Postal Service, and it doesn't tie me to the Postal Service, how can that be prejudicial to the Postal Service? It can't be. There's no nexus. So that's what it's talking about. Prejudicial to the Postal Service. Unless it names me and says that I work for the Postal Service, it cannot be prejudicial to the Postal Service. And also, where it states conviction for a violation of any criminal statute. I've not been convicted of anything. I've just been charged. That's not a conviction. So we need to address that. And I have a I have a decision. It's a fantastic decision. It's an arbitrator Duda. And he discusses this. It's in uh, C number 14086 A and B. 14086 A and B. Well, management has cited that very provision out of the ELM against the letter carrier, and this is what he states on page 29 of his decision, and this is, this is what he states, the discipline of removal. The service has not shown any rules or regulations requiring it to remove grievant. DDM 115.1 says a postal employee who violates this section is subject to administrative discipline but does not specify the level. ELM 66153 only says there may be grounds for disciplinary action if an employee is convicted of a violation of any criminal statute for the specified conduct. No evidence was provided that Grievant was convicted or indicted for violating the criminal statute. Thus, the supervision and management were not required to impose discharge. That's, that's what I argue every time management tries to argue 665 against the letter carrier. It states that, that a conviction of any of these statutes, say, Mr. Arbitrator, this man's not convict, been convicted of anything. So that language doesn't apply. Well, Duda, he supports what I just said in his decision. So let's make that argument, all right? Management uses 665 against us for these... Uh, indefinite suspension crime situations, or anything for that matter, state that there is no nexus and they've not been convicted of anything. He goes on to state in 16.6, underneath the nexus part I just read, if the Postal Service returns an employee who was on an indefinite suspension to duty, the employee is automatically entitled to back pay for all but the first 70 days of pay. The indefinite suspension and entitlement for the first 70 days of pay still remain subject to the grievance provision stated in subsection B. And that's what I talked about earlier. If they decide to bring me back or the carry back before the 70, before arbitration, before the resolution of that grievance, that arbitrator can determine that I'm going to be given full back pay. And that trumps that section there about the 70 days. And then it states again, during an indefinite suspension, the employer can take final action to remove the employee such removals must be for just cause and are subject to Article 16.5 like any other removal, and I discussed that. 
So I'm going to read from a decision. It was it was the case that I had. Uh, is in front of arbitrator Glenda August, and this is down south of me. I'm going to read to you a few pages, and this should help you out a little bit. I, I redacted the place, but if you look it up, obviously you'll be able to see everything about it. But I'm not going to do that on my podcast. It's C number three three four zero five three three four zero five. And this is, this is what she states. This is under facts. On December 21st of 2017, local news network WFAB Channel 9 showed the grievance picture and reported that she was wanted in connection to a fight that led to shots being fired. On December 26, 2017, the grievance was arrested for two counts, a principal to attempted first-degree murder and simple battery. On January 3rd of 2018, management conducted an investigative interview with the grievant. A notice of indefinite suspension crime situation was issued to the grievant on January 9th, 2018. The instant grievance was filed by the union alleging that management violated the national agreement when they issued the grievant a notice of indefinite suspension crime situation under Article 16.6 of the national agreement. And this is what Arbitrator August stated. So it starts on page 10. Management contended that they had just cause for the Article 16.6 indefinite suspension. Based on the news reports and, and the local sheriff's department's arrest information, news stories provided in the evidence of record describe the incident as, as a domestic violence situation in which the grievance sister, not the grievant, fired shots at the father of her five children with whom she had 15-year relationship. Article 16.6 requires that any action taken by management under this provision must be for reasonable cause. Additionally, that article requires that, in such cases, the employer is not required to give the employee the full 30 days advance notice of indefinite suspension, but shall give such lesser number of days of advance written notice as under the circumstances is reasonable and can be justified. The employee is immediately removed from a pay status at the end of the notice period. The foregoing requirement did not occur in the instant case. Management, following the investigative interview, placed the grievance in a non-duty, non-pay status normally associated with emergency placement under Section 7 of Article 16. The fact that there was confusion over which section of Article 16 was being invoked was understandable under the circumstances. Management disputed the union's argument that the grievance was initially suspended under Article 16.7. However, the circumstances of immediate placement in a non-pay status would have been indicative of 16.7 action. Management in their notice of the, uh, to the agreement did provide the proper provision of the national agreement under which they contend the disciplinary action was taken. Additionally, management testified that payroll adjustments were made to ensure the agreement was paid through January 20th. The date management notified the agreement her indefinite suspension would be effective. Article 16.6 goes on to provide that the just cause of an indefinite suspension is grievable. The arbitrator shall have the authority to reinstate and make the employee whole for the entire period of the indefinite suspension. In the instant matter, management contended that in cases where an employee faces criminal prosecution, there is great question as to the appropriateness of the services investigation into those matters. They cited arbitrator Dobransky in case number CADN4ED12824, where he opined, whereas here the offense in question concerns the off-duty conduct of the employee and the criminal process has been initiated, there is very little that the service can do to investigate the matter. 
A vigorous investigation of the matter might well prejudice the rights of the employee, as well as interfere with the criminal administration process. It is not the function of the service to investigate the criminal acts of its employees. When such acts are carried out beyond the confines of the work area and are currently under investigation by the civil authorities. In the instant case, management cited the grievance lack of response during the investigative interview and stated that she took the path of silence, since she too is facing serious criminal charges. To that end, management relied on news reports and the local sheriff department's arrest information to provide reasonable calls for them to take action under Article 16.6. National Arbitrator Garrett, in a review of Article 16.6 indefinite suspensions, found in case number NCNAT 8580, September 29, 1978, C number 03216, he wrote, Indefinite suspensions are reviewable in arbitration to the same extent as any other suspension to determine whether just cause for the disciplinary action has been shown. Such a review in arbitration necessarily involves considering at least a. the presence or absence of reasonable cause to believe the employee guilty of the crime alleged and whether such a relationship exists between the alleged crime and the employee's job in the USPS to warrant suspension. In his decision, Arbitrator Garrett found that not only is it required that management have reasonable cause to believe that the employee was guilty of the alleged crime, but it also requires management to ensure that a relationship exists between the alleged crime and the employee's job with the U.S. Postal Service, sufficient to warrant suspension. In the case at bar, the evidence provided in the case file falls short of reasonable cause, since there was insufficient evidence to demonstrate that the grievance was involved in a shooting. She apparently was outside of the vehicle when her sister allegedly fired shots. The news stories were more indicative of a domestic violence situation between the grievance sister and the father of her children with whom she had a 15-year relationship. It appears that it not it appears that if not for her sister, the grievance would not have been involved at all in the alleged incident on December 21st, 2017. Additionally, since the incident appeared to be one of the domestic violence nature and the grievance was off-duty in a privately owned vehicle and not in a postal uniform, it would be a stretch of the imagination to show any kinship to her position as a letter carrier with the local post office. Management may have reviewed the fact that the story was publicized as being adverse publicly for the USPS. However, the evidence of record provided no customer comments or feedback which would lead me to believe that customers or other employees were somehow affected or displayed some fear or even concern about the agreement containing her duties as a letter carrier for the Postal Service. Additionally, the news reports provided in the evidence of record never mentioned the grievance position with the Postal Service. More notable is that moving papers did provide information about other local postal employees who were arrested for alleged crimes of violence. A news story regarding one of those employees was publicized in the local Advocate newspaper. However, according to testimony at hearing, none of those employees were disciplined or indefinitely suspended. Management's response to the union's argument regarding these similarly situated employees was they were not supervised by the same manager. Many arbitrators have reviewed indefinite suspensions under Article 16.6 and the requirements to satisfy just cause based on National Arbitrator Garrett's award. In case B11N4BD1500262, Arbitrator Jonathan Klein opined, Furthermore, the arbitrator finds that management presented insufficient evidence of a relationship or 
nexus between the alleged crime committed by the grievant and his position with the Postal Service to warrant an indefinite suspension. In USPS and NELC case EO6N4ED0922137 Arbitrator Duffy, October 9th of 2009, Arbitrator Joseph Duffy provided the following analysis concerning the nexus between off-duty conduct and an employee's work. Now, y'all listen to this because this is what I was talking about earlier with coworkers. When analyzing a case to determine the connection between the off-duty conduct and the grievance work, labor arbitrators often look at the following factors. Did the off-duty conduct damage the employer's business or reputation? Did the off-duty conduct damage the employer's business or reputation? Was the employee unavailable for work because of incarceration? If the employee was reinstated, would co-workers refuse to work with the employee because of the nature of the off-duty conduct or because the employee posed a potential threat to co-workers? Did the off-duty conduct make the employee unsuitable for continuing employment? At hearing, no testimony was presented by management regarding a nexus between the grievance's purported criminal acts and his job as a CCA with the Postal Service. Additionally, the documentary evidence contained in the joint case file is insufficient to establish a relationship between the grievance's alleged crime and his employment with the Postal Service to warrant a suspension. Likewise, in the instant case, not only did management fail to prove there was reasonable cause to believe the grievance was guilty of violent crimes based on the news reports and arrest record, the testimony and evidence also failed to provide a nexus to the grievance job with the Postal Service. Thus, the grievance must be sustained. Bottom line, indefinite suspension crime situation, management finds out through some news organization or through a co-worker that somebody's been arrested and they look it up on the news and they make all these newspaper article clippings and they decide to put this carry on indefinite suspension. They have to give me advance written notice. Doesn't have to be 30 days. And there has to be a nexus between the two events. There has to be a nexus between the crime committed or the alleged crime committed and the postal service. If there's not... There's a good chance that that arbitrator is not going to rule in management's favor. But we have to make that argument. Make that argument at the informal A level. Do all of that homework yourself. Speak for yourself. And that's what I've always stated when I do an informal A. uh, When I do my informal A contentions, I have that thing ready for arbitration. Why is that? Because I don't want anybody to speak for me and my case file. I don't want the formal A to speak for me, even though my formal A is great at it. I want to speak for myself. So make those contentions yourself. Make those contentions. If they didn't give them advance written notice, make those contentions yourself. If there is no nexus between the two, make those contentions yourself. Okay? Very long episode. Doggone. 40 minutes. My gosh. Uh, I hope hope you aren't, aren't asleep out there on me on this one. But it's something that you may rarely ever deal with, if at all. But when you do, Make sure you do your homework on 16.6 because Carrie's in trouble. Hey, our brother and sister's in trouble on this one here. Big trouble. You protect their job. Let their attorney on the outside handle all that business. But you you protect their job here, okay? And 16.6 has plenty of avenues for you to do that. So you you tell your brother and sister, if they're in a jam, hey, look here. I'm going to take care of you here. Get your attorney to take care of you there. You, you take care of your business. Don't worry about this here. I've got you. 
okay, and fight like hell for that brother and sister who's in a jam. They're, they're in a time of their life, man, where they don't need to be worried about this here. That's what we get paid to do. So we're going to do that for them, okay? So 16-6 indefinite suspension. It's been a long one, but I hope that it's helped you in some small way. Again, get you a core group. A lot, probably a lot of things that I missed on this, but this will give you a good head start on what to look for to defeat any kind of discipline or any kind of suspension under 16-6, all right? Y'all take care of yourselves. God bless you. Have a great rest of the day, and I'll talk to you on the next episode. Take care now. Bye-bye.